Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law, and boy, I could tell you, there's nothing more offensive than receiving a lawsuit. Anyway, if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And it set this record straight. See, it reminds me, painfully reminds me of what happened about 20 years ago. So what happened about 20 years ago is that our company was told by one of our largest customers we're going to have an audit, quality audit. So we worked and prepared for it and... And the quality auditor came, I really get along with him real well, Mohammed came, and Mohammed gave us what we thought was an unfair audit, wrote us up for this or that, and we felt that we were treated unfairly. We were determined not to sit back and take that, oh no, we were going to set the record straight over weeks. We put together this notebook, it was a big effort, with all the points of how he was wrong, he was wrong, he was wrong. And you know what we titled the notebook? Setting the record straight. <laughs> oh, that was one of the worst mistakes we ever made. Hey, let me tell you, it was not received well by our customer. And all that I can say right now today is I'm glad it was 20 years ago, and I wish it was 50 years ago. Anyway, but I just wish that I had listened to this verse at that time and just took the wrong, because it started a war that never ended. There was no peace between Muhammad and us, because... It says in Psalm 37, Psalm 37, 11, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. It says peace. Now, when the Lord Jesus came here to earth, he actually had a specific group of people that he was sent to. And he was sent to preach the gospel to. And it was kind of amazing this happened in his life. But anyways, where he was sent and who he was sent to is detailed for us in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61.1, where it says in Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed. Anointed always means commissioned. The Lord has anointed or commissioned me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to them that are bound. Now this is so dramatic, this verse, because there's this day in his life, in the Lord's life, when he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, and there's an attendant there, who sees him and says, oh, you know, there's a new person here, let's give him this scripture to read. And they give him the scripture, it's this scripture. And he reads it, it says in Luke 4, 16, Luke 4, 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read, 
And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he'd opened the book, found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, it says. It goes on, and then it says he closed the book, gave it to the minister, it sat down, and the eyes of all the ones in the synagogue were on him, and he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. A lot of drama. This is being quoted from the Greek version of the Old Testament, which changed the word meek to poor, which shows it's equivalent, meek and poor. Now, what happens here, he's coming to preach the gospel to the poor, and as is always the case, where you have this verse, as blessed are the meek, it cuts across what man believes because man's natural without God. Man is natural. We're natural. Our corrupt hearts, our deceitful hearts, it's natural. And what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, 1 Corinthians 2.14, is that we don't receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So it means natural man does not understand the spiritual things. Natural man has no interest in the spiritual thing. Natural man is dead to spiritual things. Natural man doesn't value spiritual things. He basically thinks that spiritual things are crazy, and he wants nothing to do with them. It says here, blessed are the meek. And meekness is important for us. Why? If there was no other verse in the Bible, if there was no other state in the Bible, statement in the Bible, then one, this one statement tells us why meekness is so important to us, and it's the Lord speaking about himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Matthew eleven twenty nine, when he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Very important what he said. The Lord didn't often speak about himself, but here's one of the rare times when he does, when he says, I am meek. And that meant that he is the embodiment of meekness. You want to know what meekness is? Look at the Lord Jesus. This is what also is emphasized to us in Galatians 4.19. Galatians 4.19, when it says, my little children of whom I travail again until Christ be formed in you, in Romans 8.29, 8.29, it speaks about us being conformed to the image of his son. And Philippians 2.5 says, let his mind be in you. And 1 John 3.2 speaks about we shall be like him. Just like the hymn, you know, then we shall be what we would be, should be, and we shall be what we would be. In other words, to be like Jesus, to be like the Lord Jesus is our goal, it's the purpose of our life. He says, I'm meek. That means that meekness is on our priority list. Now, so let's look at what he said in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. First of all, he says, take my yoke upon you, for I am meek. That means we have a calling. Our calling from the Lord Jesus and our goal and our purpose is to be meek and lowly in heart. Take my yoke upon you means he's called us to be like him. And then he says, so learn of me. It means we need to study him. It means we need to learn what does it mean to be meek. 
because we're supposed to be meek. So he says, I am meek and lowly in heart. So here he is giving us the essential characteristic of what meekness is. Meekness is being lowly of heart, lowly of heart. Now, being lowly of heart has to do with how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves. Being meek means that we do not perceive ourselves as being above any other person. It's very interesting, the English word meek, the Anglo-Saxon derivation of this word meek. Meek comes from an English Anglo-Saxon root meaning that means equal, equal, mises, means equal. In other words, a man that is meek feels that he is equal to every other man. And there is no man that he feels superior to. A meek man sees a homeless person on the strength and he says, I am equal to that man. That's what meekness is. So, so meekness has to do with self-perception, how he perceives ourselves, how a man sees himself compared to others. Equal, not superior. And this concept is what is called in the Bible the spirit of meekness. The spirit of meekness in Galatians 6.1. Galatians 6.1, where in this context of not seeing himself as superior to any, Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. So here's a man who's fallen. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself, looking at yourself, lest thou also be tempted. It means that when another believer falls into some horrible sin, we are in the spirit of meekness to never think that, oh, well, I would never do that, not me, like Peter did in Matthew 26, 33. We look at the Lord to see what we should be. We look at Peter to see what we shouldn't be. Not really, but anyway. Peter in 26, 33, Matthew 26, 33, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. What's he doing there? He's giving us the perfect picture of the opposite of meekness is what he's doing. He looks at everybody else and he says, I'm superior to everyone else because they could all be offended to you, not me. So we can see from this that meekness has to do with how we see ourselves and compare ourselves with other people. The spirit of meekness is to consider thyself correctly and realize we're not superior. And this is what the Lord meant when he calls himself lowly of heart. Because he's saying that if there's a lineup of men, I'm the lowly of heart. There's a lineup of hearts. I'm the lowly. I'm the low one. This is the reason why a meek man doesn't get angry. Why? Because an angry person rises up against the, the person who he's angry at. He wants to crush him, you know, step on him. A meek man sees himself above no one, and he doesn't become angry because he just patiently endures the wrong that's been done against him. Now, the Lord Jesus brought out this difference between a man who was not meek and a man that was meek when he described two very different men in Luke 18.10. Luke 18.10, when he said two men went up in the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now just kind of keep in mind as we go through this here, the difference between a man who is meek and a man who is not meek. Okay, first of all, he says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men. 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give all tithes of all I possess. And then the Lord turns and he talks about the other one. And the publican, standing afar off, would not so much as lift his eyes up to heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. All right, so here's the two that he's just laid out for us as comparison. Now he makes his comment about them. I tell you, the publican, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Now here comes the principle. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So the Pharisee's not meek because he sees himself as superior to others. He says, I'm not as other men are. He's not meek because he was not lowly of heart, like the Lord described himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. On the other hand, the publican was meek because he saw that he was superior to no other person. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's the key difference that the Lord was calling out between the Pharisee and the publican. It's this issue of meekness, and that's why he said in Luke 18, 14, Luke 18, 14, the person who exalts himself is going to be put down. But the person who humbles himself is going to be exalted. And these words, himself, himself, it's showing us that this, this issue of meekness or seeing yourself as lowly at heart, it's an issue of choice. It's an issue of choice. We choose. And this is the choice of meekness. Some people, now you can look at some people and say, well, you know, that person, his temperament He's not naturally, he's less assertive. He's more retiring. His tempering is more retiring. He's more of a retreating type person. He talks in low tones. I can't even hear him. So you say, well, he's naturally meek. No, that's not meekness. That's not meekness. That person may not just like the type A personality. That person may still be, he may still have this spirit of, well, I don't like him. I'm better. But so the command to be humble. The command to be meekness is why it's so important for us because, because God makes this statement. He says that publican humbled himself, and then he said, for example, Moses said to Pharaoh in Exodus 10.3, Moses and Aaron, Exodus 10.3, Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh, and he says, how long will thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go. They may serve me. And then God, speaking about one of the kings in Israel, said, Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me. And then the one we just talked about there in Luke 18, Luke 18, 14, where he said that the publican humbled himself. And that's why when it all comes down to it, we are commanded in 1 Peter 5, 6, 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So meekness is a choice. And that's what the Lord Jesus meant when he was saying lowly of heart. In other words, he chose to be lowly of heart. So when he says, take my yoke upon you, for I am meek, that means he's calling us to be meek. And then he says, learn of me, for I am meek. It means that we look at his life. Now, we've already seen that meekness means to be lowly of heart, not to see ourselves as superior to other men. And we see this supremely, this really was an event in the life of the Lord that just so emphasized how the Lord saw himself 
how he perceived himself when it says in John 13, 4, John 13, 4, he riseth from supper, is the Lord. He laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, after he poureth water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now, this was a really shocking event that happened. I mean, here's the one that the disciples realized, oh, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Almighty God. You're the Creator. You're the King of the universe. And he's humbling himself to the point of being the lowest servant in the house to wash feet. And they're all in shock when they're seeing this. And then he goes on and says in John 13, 12, John 13, 12, after he had washed their feet and taken his garments, was set down. He said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? Now, some churches are based on this. They wash feet. Okay, that's fine. But he's going to go on to say, you know, he's not going to say this is going to be an ordinance for you, but he's going to explain. He says, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. So he says this, he finishes up this, he gives them the principle, he explains why he did it, and then he says, if you do them, you're going to be really happy. You know, as in blessed happy are the meek. He says, you'll be happy if you do them. He's saying, if you humble yourself and become meek, you're going to be happy. Now here, he's revealing the secret to us of happiness. Because it's the same as he said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29. Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, when he said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find, you shall find rest unto your souls. You shall discover it. You shall be happy. Because to be meek is to find rest for the souls. To not be meek is to have restlessness in the souls. It's the kind of restlessness that's described in Isaiah 57.20. Isaiah 57.20, where it describes the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, saith my God to the wicked. So how does that work? How does a meek person find rest to their souls? Well, a meek person finds rest to a soul because the meek person is just strongly enduring fighting against the urge to retaliate. There's no retaliation that you can see in the life of the Lord Jesus. He's being oppressed. He's being afflicted. He's being led to a torturous death of crucifixion. And as he's being led, the comment is in Isaiah 53, 7, Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. So the characteristic, which is repeated twice in that verse, about him is that he opens not his mouth when he's suffering. He's suffering, and he doesn't open his mouth. He's suffering, and he doesn't open his mouth. He's in pain. He doesn't open his mouth. It reminds me of the time when I visited maternity ward in the city where Scandabaj is located in Ethiopia in Budajira in the general hospital. And they brought me in there, and there was these women in the bed, and they said, these women are all in labor. There were many women in this room there, and they were in their beds. They were in labor. They were in childbirth. You could have heard a pin drop in there. It was so remarkable. None of those women made a peep 
And then it was explained to me that Ethiopian women do not cry out and they do not make any sound when they're giving birth. It's just part of the culture. To the extent where some women died in those beds giving birth and never made a sound. Because the Lord was meek, he had no feeling of retaliation. He resisted the urge to retaliate and he didn't open his mouth. This is what it described to him in 1 Peter 2.23. 1 Peter 2.23. The Lord, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. There's no rest. There's no happiness to the person who yields to the urge to retaliate, to get even. That's why it says in Titus 3.2, Titus 3.2, speak evil of no man to be no brawlers, but gentle, be showing all meekness unto all men. Now, it's really interesting in that verse in Titus 3.2, when it, it links gentle showing all meekness, it links gentle with meekness. The link between gentle and meekness is in the Lord, when Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10.1, 2 Corinthians 10.1, I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Now, you know, this link between meekness and gentleness this is seen in an English word that's really two words that are put together, and we kind of lost the meaning of it. But the English word is gentleman. You know, we think, oh, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that just means people, right? No, but there's a reason why those two words were linked together, gentle man, because it means a gentle man, means a meek man. And so using the word gentle in the place of meekness, the verse would come out like this in Matthew 5, 5, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. So the meek person is gentle, therefore he has peace, he has rest in his souls, Because, for one thing, when it comes to his possessions, he takes his lead from the richest man who ever lived, King Solomon, who said in 1 Chronicles 29.14, 1 Chronicles 29.14, he says, Who am I? What is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. In other words, he didn't say, I got everything because of the reward of my hard work. That's why I got No, no. He says, uh, they came from you. So meekness sees possessions as a gift from God. And this is what made Job, a rich man, a very meek man. Because he said in Job 121, Job 121, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's his statement of a meek man regarding his possessions. Now, a meek man, when he is confronted by his enemies, as we mentioned here, he doesn't want to retaliate. He has no thought of retaliation. He yields to God. He yields to God, as it says in Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So meekness It's not like being a mouse. It's not like a cowardly weakness to allow yourself to be beat into a pulp and not protest. Meekness requires strength, a lot of strength. Being gentle in the face of being abused requires great strength. What kind of strength does it require? The strength to endure, to endure, the strength to endure. This is how the Lord Jesus is brought up to us in Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2, where it says... 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 